The ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 discuss a scheduling alliance. The Big 12 seems doomed to failure. And what will the college football playoff format look like after this fall? We'll discuss it all next. I'm Jay Smith, and this is After Further Review. And now, after further review, a Clemson student's perspective on sports. And the personal foul on number 99 of the defense. After he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there. That's a 15-yard penalty. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm Jay Smith, and this is After Further Review. we got a great episode for you today. A lot to talk about, man. There's been so much going on these past few days as it relates to just uh, you know, conference realignment and schedules and, and what stuff's going to look like moving forward past, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. We are, what, like a couple weeks out here from the actual college football season, and we're not even really talking about the actual upcoming season. We're talking about stuff that's, you know, going to take place, you know, maybe a year or two years down the line. Uh, but that's just because there's there's so much unknown right now as far as the future landscape of college football. And it's just crazy because, you know, if you'd told anybody all of this a few months ago, uh, most people probably wouldn't have believed you. I don't think I would have believed you. If You know, I, I had a feeling that Texas, maybe not as much Oklahoma, but really Texas was looking for a move to possibly the Big Ten or the SEC, but I did not expect something uh, of this magnitude. And obviously all the aftershocks of that announcement are still kind of reverberating around the college football landscape. So it's, it's, there's so much news to get into. Let's start off first with our, our opening topic here. And that is that the, this news broke yesterday. It was first reported by uh, the athletic uh, Max Olson over at the athletic. And it was that uh, the ACC, the big 10 and the PAC 12 are discussing a schedule Alliance. It's a it's a loose term. I'm I'm using the you know the air quotes here when I say the word alliance. But um, supposedly that has been a discussion that's been had between um, the the conference commissioners. I mean, you've got uh, George Kalivkov uh, for the Pac-12. You obviously have uh, Kevin Warren for the the Big Ten, um, and then you know, oh goodness, who's the Who's the ACC commissioner? Um, Jim Phillips. That's right. The name was escaping us. Jim Phillips is the commissioner of the ACC. But they've been in regular communication these past few weeks, and they've had some in-person discussions. Um, There's some some, uh, reports that they had met actually last week in Chicago, an in-person meeting. And, um, you know, they were discussing forming some sort of scheduling alliance. Now, this would not technically be any sort of like, you know, my conference absorbs your conference or we start switching out teams. But basically, it would be a way for these three power five conferences to sort of insulate themselves. And I think it would form a 57 team, like super league almost. And that would be their answer, the you know, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12's answer to the addition of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. So sort of interesting. Let's kind of dive, though, into into some of the specifics of that, um, you know, because, again, there's there's some uh, reports out there of the commissioners from these separate conferences meeting. There's actually a few photos floating around on, on Twitter um, of that meeting or of, you know, the, the commissioners, um, you know, meeting in person. But, um, I mean, I think any sort of 
of a conference scheduling alliance is probably in the very early stages. There's a lot of moving pieces there. There's a lot of rivalry games that, that would need to be protected. There's a lot of um, you know cross-division scheduling and things of that nature. So, I mean, you're not going to see... Right, you're not going to see Clemson taking on Oregon or Utah playing Minnesota. I, I you know, it, it might be that that there's, um, you know, maybe the doors open where ACC, like all the conferences, play a typical conference schedule. Right, is it eight, nine games, and then your non-conference opponents. And this could be a thing. The non-conference opponents for these three conferences could be exclusive to that alliance. Right, where you've got you know, ACC schools playing uh, Big Ten schools, and maybe some Big Ten schools are playing Pac-12 schools. Maybe there's a little mixing and matching. I don't think you're going to see a ton of um, East Coast, West Coast games just because logistically that is, you know, that's a challenge. And, and again, it's important to emphasize here, we're not just talking about football programs, right, in terms of a scheduling alliance here. We're, we're really, we're talking about you know, the basketball team, the track and field guys, the, you know, the women's volleyball team, like all of those sports are impacted by these decisions. And again, that's not getting any publicity. It's not getting any coverage. And that's not the subject of this podcast, right? Where it's a, it's a college football podcast, but it's something that you have to think about. All the student athletes are affected um, by these types of decisions. So, you know, um, again, What's interesting about this particular development is that um, there's no mention of the Big 12, right? And the Big 12 uh, is now down to, to eight teams. Um, they're still reeling. You know, their commissioner, Bob uh, Bowlesby, um, has, has come out and, and said that, you know, he kind of feels like this was uh, the result of the ESPN and, and the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, kind of pushing for Texas and Oklahoma to join, I, again, you know, that's all speculation. I don't, I don't have um, any information to indicate otherwise. But Pac-12 Commissioner uh, George Kalivkov has met with Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, and and they've had some discussions. But according to sources, that meeting did not include any sort of mentioning of an alliance with other Power Five conferences. Um, you know, and, and so that's got to make some some athletic directors in the Big 12 worried. I mean, again, you know, and we're going to touch on this in the second segment of, of the show. What's the possible landing spot for each of the remaining Big 12 schools? Because, listen, you know, whether or not you agree or like it, the reality is there's a higher chance of the Big 12 dissolving than it, it's sticking around. And I, I said that. Uh, on the most recent episode, I said, listen, I, I just don't, you know, there, there are certainly ways, nothing's concrete, nothing's set in stone, but if I was a betting man, I don't think the big 12 is going to be around for much longer. There's just right now, there's no national brand in that conference. I mean, Baylor has had spurts, but they're really not. Uh, and now again, basketball, it's a different conversation, right? You got Kansas, you got Baylor. Um, but the Big Ten could easily, or even the ACC, could pick up either of those schools. And I think you also have to remember, too, while we are discussing football, this is an entire athletic department-wide inclusion into a new conference. So you're not going to see a Notre Dame and ACC situation where Notre Dame kind of cherry-picks what sports they want to participate in. And obviously, they participate in all ACC sports except for football. But the example still you know, stands where... 
uh, these, these schools are going to join. They're going to be fully committed to their new conferences. It wouldn't make sense for them to, to do it otherwise. Why would, you jo- why would you join the Big Ten and then stay independent in football? Like, that wouldn't make any sense um, for, for any school coming out of the Big 12. Uh, so, you know, um, a lot of people, and this is just what I've seen on Twitter and, and read in different r- reports, but a lot of people um, put the, uh, I guess... I don't want to say blame, but they credit. <laughs> sounds almost too positive of a word. Uh, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, is the person I think a lot of people are considering the mastermind behind all of this. You know, he uh, was obviously involved in the SEC's edition of Texas and Oklahoma, and he also kind of proposed this 12-team college football playoff model. Right? This is this is you know been something that he's pushed for for a little while, and this is really seen uh, I think by a lot of people myself included to a certain extent, but as a way to consolidate power. Um, and so there, you know, there is definitely, I'm sure, in the ACC, the Big Ten, in the Pac-12 offices, some discussions about, okay, listen, you know, are we able to fork out on our own and, and can we, you know, uh, compete as we've been competing and stand up to the SEC, not just in football, but in, in any other um sport. And, and right now, I don't think the answer is yes. I mean, we, we talked a lot last year about which conference was deepest, you know, who could compete for that position, you know, that title. ASEC obviously had it. And, and I thought the Big Ten was going to have a chance, at least in football. It did not pan out. The ACC is still the Clemson Conference. The Pac-12 was fading into oblivion. And the Big 12 had Oklahoma. Now, if I had told you in 2009 that TCU was going to have a more successful 2010 decade run in football, they were, if TCU was going to be more successful in football in the 2010s than Texas, I mean, I'd, I'd have been roasted on, on, on Twitter, right? I mean, I, nobody would have believed me. I, I mean, I would have hard, been hard for me to believe myself, but that was the reality is that Texas struggled mightily on the field. But from a national brand standpoint and from a athletic department standpoint, they're still number one. It's still Texas, and the amount of money that comes in from Texas cannot be ignored. Um, and Oklahoma, right now, I would say with Lincoln Riley, you know, a young head coach. Uh, yes, they've had struggles in the CFP, but they were cleaning house in the Big Twelve. Now, I expect stiffer competition in the SEC. But there's still, I'd say, a top four or five college football program right now. I mean, right now, it's really Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State kind of clustering there in the top three. I think you could throw a Georgia, an Oklahoma uh, in that discussion. You know, some people might say Florida, maybe a Notre Dame. Uh, but there's a, there's, a, there's a gap between those top three schools and everybody else. Uh, but still, Oklahoma's there. They, they're there. They're, they're playing in these games against those elite schools. They're just not competing in them. Uh, so, you know, again, as far as uh, this, this scheduling alliance with the ACC and the Big Ten and the Pac-12, it makes sense to me. It's something that I look at and go, well, it seems like the natural reaction from these three conferences because you're, we're literally gonna, we're watching the Big 12 scramble slash disintegrate in front of our, our eyes here. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, everybody wants a piece of the pie. And so in order to keep that seat at the table, these other three conferences need to get together and say, listen, um, this isn't our best interest 
to stick together um, and, uh, and and try and make this make this work. I mean, again, because you know, you, if you're the SEC, you've scarfed up now Texas, Oklahoma. That strengthens their position. It pretty much has doomed the Big Twelve to second tier status. Um, but if the three conferences we've mentioned, right, ACC, Big Ten, Big, or Pac-12, they stick together, it'll give them a lot of leverage at, at the college football playoff, you know, discussion, the table there where they're going to be um, jockeying for for spots. Um, you know, whatever playoff expansion looks like, it's it's going to, I mean, a larger field, if it's more than four teams, it's going to be worth more than what it is now. And right now it's worth $475 million annually. Now, whether the networks pay more for non-conference games, that's that's really, that's uh, to be determined. But that's, I don't think that's the point, right? Like, we're not having these discussions and, and these moves aren't being made based on what the TV networks are going to pay. I mean, this is a, this is about Texas and Oklahoma, I think realizing long, long-term success, long-term stability. It's the sec. I mean, the big 12, I think had its moments again, I, I just mentioned, right. TCU had a better success or had a, a better decade of success than Texas did. Uh, you know, on the field in football. And Oklahoma has won the last handful of conference championships, and Baylor has had some good runs, and Kansas State has had some good runs. Uh, even Iowa State with Matt Campbell, you know, recently they've had some good runs, but it just hasn't, there's not been a national brand to emerge. You know, there's there's not been a program that has stayed consistent at the top. And yes, there are a lot of people who ridicule Texas um, but again, the important thing here is that you can't ignore the money that's coming in. You just, you cannot ignore the money. One, one interesting little wrinkle that's worth mentioning in this discussion is basically, you know, the, the scheduling alliance, while simple in theory, is more difficult and nuanced in, in actual practice because, you know, there's, uh, non-conference contracts you have to kind of deal with. There's conference media rights, right? You've, you've got, not only do you have conference media rights for each of these conferences, they all expire in different years, right? The Big Ten, their conference media rights expire in 2023. The Pac-12s expire in 2024. And the ACCs, they don't expire until 2036. That's 15 years down the road. Now, can deals be worked out? Certainly, will deals be worked out? Potentially, I think it's 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 safe to say that those kinds of things can, um, you know, be reconfigured. Uh, but you know, listen, I, I kind of said this earlier in the show, and I, I firmly believe it, it could be a thing. You you could certainly see. I can envision a scenario where the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 get together and say, "Okay, we are going to schedule non-conference opponents exclusively in this." league we have created and they'll shut out the sec from playing them in non-conference and if that happens that is real leverage that is real leverage because yes the sec will be the deepest conference yes the sec will be the conference with the most uh market value and branding but at the end of the day non-conference opponents still matter and if you can't play anyone in the three conferences i just named who are you going to play byu UConn, UMass, 
army? I mean, who are your non-con... I mean, yeah, you'll pick up somebody from the American, right? Nick Saban, he's got McNeese State on speed dial, or, or who is it, Alabama A&M, or maybe he'll pick up the phone and call uh, um, New Mexico State. But, like, realistically, right, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a huge deal if those three conferences were able to, um, you know, basically shut out the SEC from playing them in a non-conference setting. Like, Florida, Florida State would not be a thing anymore. You, you'd be getting... Ohio State and USC, right? I mean, again, college football is a regional sport. I think that's why it is, that's why the fan base is so passionate and so fervent about their respective schools is because it's a regional thing with regional ties. It's not a national corporate feeling um, sport. And that's what we're getting towards. We are we are slowly working our way towards that sort of nationalization of college football, which I don't think is, for the long term, a good thing. But that's, you know, it's hard to stop the train once the wheels are rolling. But yeah, I mean, you could certainly see a scenario where Florida, Florida State are no longer able to play each other. Uh, unless, and this is a whole nerdy, you know, in the weeds kind of discussion, which has happened at a couple of different state legislatures uh, where by law schools would have to play each other. So like Oklahoma's state legislature right now is discussing uh, should Oklahoma have to continue to play Oklahoma State because obviously with Oklahoma joining the Big 12, there's you know there's their schedule is going to completely change and what was used to be a conference game for them will certainly no longer be a conference game. It'll probably be a non-conference game if it's even scheduled at all. Um, you know, and, and there are certainly some good ACC SEC rivalries that, um, while maybe not close in recent years, have huge historical significance. I mean, you look at the Palmetto State, you get Clemson, South Carolina, you look at clean old fashioned hate with Georgia, Georgia Tech, you look at Florida State and Florida. Um, you know, there's there's probably at least a few more that I'm oh, uh, Louisville and Kentucky, uh, yeah, the Wildcats taking on the Cardinals. I mean, there's all and those are. All in-state. That's four in-state rivalries where teams are on opposite sides. One's in the ACC, one's in the SEC, but it's still a huge, the biggest rivalry game in their respective state. Um, You know, I mean, Clemson, South Carolina, there's no other football programs in the state that come close to it in terms of size and importance. Uh, Same with Georgia and Georgia Tech. Uh, Now, you know, Florida's a little bit different. Uh, but Kentucky and, and Louisville, that's as big as it gets there. So there's there's some pretty big implications for this scheduling alliance and whether or not it actually pans out. But again, so far, it's just been preliminary discussions. I'm really interested to see where it goes because I think it is something that could potentially happen. And I think, you know, because of the SEC's tendency to kind of puff their chest out and we're the best, we're the best and kind of say, no, we don't need to play y'all. It could come back to bite them because all these other conferences with these other schools could get, well, well, fine, don't play us. Go, go play Akron, you know, go play these group of five schools that aren't going to look good on your resume at all. And you're just going to have to go off of, you know, your in conference schedule, which certainly will land them playoff spots. That's not the question here. The question is, how will they be able to hold up in a college football playoff game against, you know, a team from the Big Ten 
or the Pac-12 or the ACC? You know, what, what would that matchup look like for an SEC school that doesn't have any experience uh, with those kinds of teams? So not sure. We'll, we'll have to see how this pans out. Um, interesting discussion, though. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it, I saw it. And I was like, wow, this, this is something I could see actually happening. So we'll take a break. We come back, though. It's segment two. We're going to be talking about the Big 12. Is it doomed to failure? The answer may surprise you. That's next. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, I'm Jay Smith, and you are listening to After Further Review. Hey, listen, if you're listening to the show uh, as a podcast, it doesn't matter where you're listening. It could be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and you're enjoying the content, be sure to, uh, to you know drop a follow, maybe subscribe to the podcast so you get new episodes that'll pop up on your phone every time I, I post or or maybe even leave a, a nice little review if you uh, if you enjoy the content and if you're watching on Facebook do appreciate it as always you're welcome to drop a like drop a comment um, any sort of, of, uh, of feedback is, is always appreciated and I and I do uh, you know usually uh, listen or, or, or read whatever is is commented so do appreciate it but let's get back now to this discussion about the Big 12, you know, is it is it doomed? And where are the current Big 12 members most likely to end up? Okay, so let's start right off the bat. Um, do I think the Big 12 is doomed? Yes. I think it is doomed regardless of any further existence. It is doomed to a eternal second tier status, meaning it may survive. It may continue to be a thing, you know, till I'm gone, right? You know, 80, 90 years down the road could still be around, but it's never going to be what it was. It's never going to go back. It's just not going to go back. There's no, you know, no scenario right now that I can imagine where the big 12 goes back to the prominence if you even want to call it that, uh, that it it had a month and a half ago. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, where are the remaining eight schools going to end up? Well, let's look at the big, let's look at, so let's go back and let's do a history lesson. So about 10 years ago, the last realignment phase of, of major college football programs, uh, the conference lost Nebraska to the Big Ten, Colorado to the Pac-12, and Mizzou and Texas A&M to the SEC. Now, it made up for those losses by adding TCU, again, a program that we touched on, had more success on the field in football in the 2010s than Texas, but I digress. They added TCU and West Virginia. And that, that sort of kept the ship afloat, right? That wasn't like, oh, wow, I mean, West Virginia. It was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. And West Virginia had a few great years. Uh, TCU had a few great years under Gary Patterson. Um, the name of the coach at West Virginia, his name is escaping me, but um, I can picture him. Is He had like that, not the mullet, but the, his ball on top and it was flowing in the back. I, I don't know his name. I'm sure somebody listening remembers his name. But anyway, I think he's not there anymore. But either way, those programs had a, a little spurt of greatness, right? They had a few moments in the spotlight. Um, but ultimately I don't think they replaced, I mean, they certainly didn't replace Nebraska again, a team that has been pretty terrible the last decade and a half, but 
is still Nebraska. There's still staying power, and there's still money involved when you're talking about the Cornhuskers. Um, and it, again, the Big 12 kept, they kind of plugged the hole in the ship, right? You know, the ship is sinking. Let's, let's kind of patch it, and it, it held over. Now the two biggest buckets in your boat that you were using to bail yourself out with, they're gone. They, they jumped over into the, okay? So, so you're left with almost nobody in terms of national brands. Um, and where, where are these other schools going to go? I mean, it seems unlikely, again, we're going a little bit into the weeds with this type of discussion, but it seems unlikely for any of these schools to just like Texas tech, they're not just going to wait around and go, well, uh, maybe Oklahoma and Texas won't be able to get out of the big 12 because of grant of rights. And maybe they can sue because the bylaws state that, you know, there's contract. I mean that again, unlikely, unlikely to happen. Um, what's more likely to happen is these confer- these schools find new conferences. So with that, let's get into our little list. Let's start at the top. Let's start with Baylor. Um, now, Baylor is, uh, you know, it's an interesting school, right? They, they kind of navigated through those sanctions that ended the Art Bryles era. They went to a Sugar Bowl, and they proved they can be successful in this new era of college football. And look, they won a national championship in men's basketball this past year. I picked them. Second time I've ever picked the Natty uh, champs correct. It was Duke in 2015 and, and now Baylor this year. Um, so, you know, I think Baylor kind of, because of some of their other issues, like across the entire athletic department, those of you who pay attention to college will probably know what I'm referring to. I don't see the ACC or the Big Ten jumping at Baylor. Um, and I don't think the Pac-12 really, I don't think fits Baylor well. And actually, there was a an interesting article I read not too long ago that talked about how there was a time where Baylor uh, had talked about joining the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 officials didn't like, like there was a culture clash with Baylor and the Pac-12 schools, which makes sense because you think about where the Pac-12 schools are and you then think about Baylor. And I think it's a Methodist university. Um, so that probably wasn't going to jive. Uh, so the most likely landing spot for Baylor is uh, the AAC. Um, now, before you start freaking out about Baylor dropping to a group of five, let, let's go through this, okay? The Big 12 TV contract's not going to be worth nearly as much without Texas and Oklahoma. We've talked about that. Um, there's going to be a clear path, though, for group of five teams to the CFP. So the AAC is a pretty attractive option for Baylor because if they can come in, sort of rebuild the program a little bit, get back into a consistent 8, 9, 10 win kind of setting you know, they, they very well could be able to uh, to thrive in the American and work their way up. And who knows, that the American absorbs enough teams, they kind of, you know, take the place of, uh, of the former uh, Big 12. Um, so we'll see. But that's, that's my prediction for Baylor, is they'll end up in the American. All right, let's talk about Iowa State. Now, this is one of the more, I think this is an easy one uh, for me. Uh, you know, Iowa State joining the Big Ten makes a ton of sense, right? The Cyclones are already rivals with Iowa, the Hawkeyes, who are in the Big Ten. Um, they are also, and this is this is important from an academic standpoint, Iowa State is a member of the Association of American Universities, AAU, 
and it's essentially it's the um, the most prestigious research universities in the country get this like certification of being an AAU university. As we all know, the Big Ten likes to pride itself on being academically conscious, so that checks a box right there. And you know, Iowa State has a Midwest feel. Um, just in the you know the athletic programs, um, the the campus, the student population, and Matt Campbell's a guy that was born in Ohio. He played at Mountain Union and he coached at Toledo. Uh, so again, I think you could easily see uh, Iowa State joining the Big Ten. I think it, it makes it makes sense to me. Um, you know, certainly there's other conferences they may consider joining, but I, I think that's. Uh, I think that's you know not a too terribly controversial pick. Um, let's let's look at Kansas. Now Kansas, as we've touched on with Baylor, right? They have a great basketball program, uh, and they are also a member of the Association of American Universities. Um, again, football—they're not elite or competitive or relevant at all. Kansas football could cease to exist tomorrow, and hardly anybody would care. But their basketball program is as long as it stays out of trouble with the NCAA. Uh, so, again, with these conferences, the ACC, the Big Ten, the, the Pac-12 essentially holding an auction and picking who they want, uh, you know, you may not be able to pick a football powerhouse every single round, right? You might have to go, well, it's a basketball school. It's Kansas. Um, you know, maybe the Big Ten West would be a good spot for them. Uh, you know, it could take a while for their football program to kind of get caught up to speed with the with the physicality of the Big Ten. But I, I could see Kansas becoming a respectable program in that conference. Kansas State, however, is in a load of trouble. They need to start picking up the phone and making some calls. Uh, they have not had a lot of success on the football field recently. I mean, we go back to the Colin Klein-Snyder uh, era that ended. You know, one time they were number one in the country. Feels like a decade and a half ago. Uh, they're not a national brand. They don't play in a big media market. And they're not a member of that AAU, you know, research certification thing. So I see them going to the Mountain West. I think they'll slide into the Mountain West. They'll become a pretty good football program there. Maybe they can actually expand their recruiting footprint a little bit and sort of get out of that, um, you know, market that they're in currently. And, you know, they won't be fighting other Big 12 schools for recruits. So I don't know if it's necessarily a demotion, but, you know, long-term health of this athletic program, Mountain West Conference makes sense, especially when you consider the new CFP format is going to have spots for group of five teams. So if a Baylor or a Kansas State does well, they could possibly get themselves a seat at the table. And at the end of the day, a seat at the table is still a seat at the table. So... You know, revenue jump maybe for them, possibly. We'll see. Uh, let's talk Oklahoma State. Now, the Cowboys, I think, are one of the more desirable teams left in the Big 12 that doesn't have an obvious second home. Like Iowa State, if they're going to go anywhere, they're going to the Big 10. They're not going to go to the ACC, and they're certainly not going to go to the Pac-12. So Iowa State going to the Big 10, non-controversial. Oklahoma State, though, yeah, could they fit in the ACC? Could they fit into in the Big Ten? What about the Pac-12? In fact, I think 
you know, w- with the addition of Oklahoma State to the Pac-12, because make no mistake about it, right? Prior to this announcement by Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC, raise your hand if you think Pac-12 was the worst Power 5 conference. Your hand should be in the air. Your hand should be in the air, okay? Because they were. The Pac-12 was the worst Power 5 conference. Not just in their decision makings, but just from a whole, you know, football standpoint, they were not competitive at all. And hardly anybody was paying attention to them. So an Oklahoma State, which is a program that, you know, has shown that they can compete, uh, you know, fairly consistently. I wouldn't say that they're up there with the Oklahomas, um, but if you could get the Cowboys out west, um, that could go a long way to kind of changing the perception of the Pac-12. And listen, Oklahoma State, right, that's a great opportunity to expand your recruiting zone. There is one silver lining for a lot of these schools like a Baylor or a Kansas State or whoever you are, it's that your recruiting footprint has a potential to be expanded quite a bit because all of a sudden you're going to be playing schools in states that you probably never recruited from, ever. And who knows? You might land a three or a four star from there every once in a while. So, you know, the Pac-12 for Oklahoma State makes sense. It would be a much easier path to the CFP because of how weak the Pac-12 is currently. And um, it'd be out, out of Oklahoma's shadow in the SEC. So, I don't know. That's that's what I think about the uh, the Cowboys. <clears throat> All right, TCU. Uh, now, this is a school that I think, again, the American might try to go after. Um, you know, again, the, the Horned Frogs joined the, the Big Ten about 10 years ago. But I think t- TCU, I think they're a big enough brand to, to attract the Pac-12. I do. I think um, they've had enough success in football in the last few years. They're a legitimate threat, possibly, to win a division or maybe even the conference uh, on a year-in, year-out basis. And listen, you know, the Pac-10, not a lot of people remember this, but the Pac-10 almost became the Pac-16. The last time we did this whole realignment thing, the Pac-10, which was originally the Pac-8, we're going way back here, okay, they were looking to add a lot of schools. It didn't end up happening. They ended up sticking with the Pac-12. But if it poaches three to four teams from the, let's be honest, the soon-to-be defunct Big 12, TCU could absolutely be one of them. I could see the Horned Frogs in the Pac-12. I can see them doing well and competing for conference championships. All right, Texas Tech is is next up here. So the Red Raiders uh, might be on the radar of the Pac-12, but... There's other schools we've already touched on that I think are more attractive to the Pac-12. So Texas Tech is probably going to end up looking at the American uh, Conference. Um, Again, you know, this is an opportunity for Texas Tech to sort of raise its profile in a pretty big way. Um, It would be a a good landing spot for them. And if, you know, Texas Tech and Baylor join the American, you've already got programs like Houston and SMU – in the Americas, you got four Texas schools in the American. That would be a big deal, okay? I know they're not Texas, but they're still four Texas schools, right? Texas Tech, Baylor, Houston, SMU. And then obviously, you have traditional powers in UCF and Memphis. That's a pretty strong group of five conference. That's a pretty damn strong group of five conference. Uh, UCF, Memphis, 
Houston, SMU, Texas Tech, Baylor. That, I would watch the American. I mean, I already do, but that would be like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm watching the American Conference. Uh, so I could see the Red Raiders ending up in the American. Right, let's talk West Virginia. This is the last school left on the list. Where will the Mountaineers end up? Not too much of a surprise here, but it's going to probably be the ACC. Um, they're not really going to be attractive to the Big Ten. I don't see the Big Ten looking at West Virginia and being like, oh, yeah, y'all y'all embody everything we want in institutions. Let's, let's pick you. No. Uh, the SEC is not gonna not gonna look at West Virginia, and the Pac-12 is not even an option. So it's it's really gonna be, I think, the ACC. Um, and I, there, you know, the reason for that is because the Big Ten, the ACC, really, you know, they only need a couple more teams, one or two more teams, to get to this 16-team super conference status. And listen. The ACC is reserving a spot for Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame is essentially the 15th member of the ACC. There will come a point when Notre Dame joins the ACC in football. It will happen. It is inevitable. And West Virginia could be that 16th slot. Um, Now, I know Notre Dame right now is happy with their independence. They're going to hold out for another television deal in football. But I still think... The ACC is eyeballing Notre Dame and West Virginia to kind of cap off its 16-team super conference, if you will. And that keeps the Mountaineers in major college football, um, but it also kind of allows them to, you know, pick up some rivalry games that they had to uh, put on the the back burner, like the Pitt rivalry, right? West Virginia-Pitt's a pretty big rivalry. Uh, It's the, uh, what's it called, the Backyard Brawl. And, um, you know, it, it would, it would, I think benefit both the ACC and West Virginia. Um, again, from a cultural standpoint, West Virginia may not embody everything the ACC does, but you know you're always going to kind of have that black sheep. And West Virginia, they're they're a black sheep, uh, to be sure. So that's those are my predictions on where I think uh, the remaining Big Twelve schools will end up. I'd love to hear what you have to say, though. If you've got a conference that you think or a school that you think is getting up in a different conference. Let me know. You can uh, you, you know, tweet at the show at, at After Further Review. You can leave a comment on the Facebook uh, video, or you can leave it in your review of the podcast, however you want to uh, get your point across. And I'm sure I'll post some, some show clips to Instagram soon, so you can always get a comment in there. But uh, yeah, it's interesting discussion. And, and again, I might be wrong on all of these, but that's just kind of where my gut's telling me that uh, these schools are going to end up. All right. Last break of the show, we're going to come back and wrap it up, and let's talk a little bit about what the CFP format will look like after this fall. That's next. You won't want to miss it. Welcome back to the show. Last segment of this episode of After Further Review. Do appreciate you tuning in, and uh, I'm Jay Smith, as always, bringing you another episode of your favorite college football podcast. Uh, let's, let's talk some CFP news. Um, and I, Hey, listen, I promise that the next episode, we will actually preview this coming season. It's only a few weeks away. I'm excited for the Clemson, Georgia game kicking off September 4th. Looking forward to that. But, um, yeah, let's, let's talk about this CFP, uh, you know, proposal and what it looks like now and how it'll possibly change. It will change. Um, but, of course, as I'm sure many people know, uh, the management committee for the college football playoff 
is considering an expansion from the current four-team field to a 12-team format. Now, this would be, you know, a pretty big change, right? We're not going four to six. We're not going four to eight. We're going four to 12. And this is where things kind of get interesting because this proposal does not include guarantees for conference champions. There's been a lot of ire in the last few years uh, with you know, schools winning their conference championship and, and people saying, well, you know, they're undeserving, but they're going to get in anyway because they're a conference champion. Um, <clears throat> Oklahoma. But either way, right? It still is an interesting development because up till now, conference championships have always meant something, right? If you win your conference, that means something. Well, that kind of goes out the window now, right? There's no guarantee for conference champions, and it's a, it's a bracket that'll include the six, six highest ranked conference champions. Oh wait, so conference champions? Do you see how you see how this it just irritates me, right? Like don't 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 say conference championships don't matter and then reserve spots for conference champions. Like I just don't understand the need to flip flop there. They either matter or they don't. So in this scenario, like if you don't have guarantees, fine, but then you're gonna reserve the the six highest ranked conference champions. Like what? Anyway, so it's those six teams plus the six highest-ranked other teams as determined by the CFP's selection committee. And there would be no limit on the number of participants from a conference. Ah, ha, ha, ha. The SEC, they're just, they're just grinning and rubbing their hands together. They love to hear that. There's no limit. Uh, so we could see an all-SEC, all you know, half a bracket. Um, and also, uh, one last note, no league would automatically qualify. Now, this proposal was was written by a subcommittee comprised of you know, the Big 12 um, commissioner, Bob Bolsley, the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, Notre Dame athletic director, uh, Jack Swarbrick, and Mountain West commissioner, Greg Thompson. And it was presented to the entire group of FBS commissioners uh, last month. And, um, you know, it's it's received, I think, pretty um, positive feedback. There's, there's certainly been some negative responses, but overall, people are willing to give this a shot. I think there's almost uniform consensus that this four-team style, especially now that the Big 12 is basically not going to exist anymore, it, there's going to have to be some sort of change to the system and the structure of this playoff. Um, but it's really going to be interesting to see how this the news of the conference realignment will affect the discussions pertaining to the college football playoff format because this all this news that we're discussing here, right, this was a proposal that came out early June. And obviously a few weeks later, Oklahoma and Texas said, hey, peace out, Big 12, we're going to the SEC. So all of that is probably um, going to, uh, you know, be up for debate. I, I just, I, I think ultimately, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, I think, an open discussion as far as what this, uh, playoff, um, you know, looks like and how, uh, you know, schools get buy-ins and, and seating and, and, and how that sort of works. Um, I think, you know, it's a well thought out plan, honestly. I think it's, um, 
it's a little more fair. It gives, again, as we've touched on, it gives those group of five schools a shot, gives them a chance to maybe get a berth. And, um, you know, there's no, there's no part of this that stands out to me as like an inherent weakness or a flaw that makes me go, well, that's, that's dumb. The only thing is the conference, like that's, I'm a little iffy on, you're not going to guarantee spots for conference champions, but you're going to save six spots for the top ranked conference champions. Am I the only one that's a little bit confused by that? Um, but either way, other, other than that, um, you know, I think it's it's a pretty fair shake at the whole thing. So, like in this in this scenario, right? Like if you're Notre Dame, and you're the number one team in the country, uh, you can't get a buy or you can't be seated higher than number five, um, you know, because you're not um, you know you're not in, not in a conference technically, and you're not going to be playing for a conference championship. So, um, you know, the the selection committee's top twenty five is different from the seating because the top four seeds go to the highest-ranked conference champions. So it really, I think, motivates Notre Dame to consider joining the ACC, which, as I've touched on in the previous segment, is something I I believe ultimately it will happen. I believe Notre Dame will join the ACC, um, and it could be a move like this, but, you know, with the college football playoff proposal, where if Notre Dame doesn't and they stay independent, they're so severely handicapped that they don't care about a potential exclusive TV rights deal with NBC. They, they, want, they want to be in better position for the playoff. And, um, and this is the kind of rule, I think, that could force that hand. So, you know, it, the, the other thing that, that a lot of people are talking about is, well, how would the scheduling work? Well, the, well, what bowl games would be included? And, and how does that, you know, tie in? So according to this proposal, the first round games would take place on campus sometime uh, during the two-week period following conference championship games. The quarterfinals would be played on New Year's Day or the day after. Um, and this would allow for the possibility, there, there is a possibility here if you do the math, of teams competing in 17 games. Um, but that is that's a pretty unlikely scenario. Uh, in order for that to happen... A team seeded 5 through 12 would have to play in a conference championship game, qualify for a first round game, and then run the table to win a national championship. So it could be done. It won't be done because it's just not realistic. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's not impossible. It's certainly not impossible, but there's a lot of checks and balances that have been built into this that make that very unlikely. So. You know, I think, again, from the outside looking in, it, it seems to be pretty solid. Uh, I like the, the, uh, the, you know, the proposal, and I like how the system works, and it, it doesn't exclude group of five teams, because I think you should include those conferences in any sort of national playoff. I don't, you know, I, 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 I don't like to see conferences excluded just because they're not, oh, they're not in the power five. You know, it's a group of five teams. So they have no shot, right? That's what we've been saying for the last, however long we've been doing this playoff, our four, five, six years. And it's like, well, if you're a group of five school, good luck. You might get a, you might get a New Year's six bid. That's it. And yeah, some schools have gotten shots, right? You had Cincinnati taking on Georgia. Um, but, and hey, Cincinnati's got to win that game, right? Super close. Cincinnati could have pulled that one out. They didn't. So until those group of five schools start playing and beating 
the Power Five schools, it's going to be a hard case to make. But still, I, I like to see those conferences and schools in included. Um, one thing though that's a that's a little bit of a I guess a bummer is that home field advantage would uh, not you know that wouldn't be a thing after the opening round, uh, which is when those top four conference champions would receive buys. So if the playoff kind of operates under this this contract that's proposed with the bowl games, it would have to honor its agreements, right, with those New Year's Six bowls, uh, unless everybody said, "Nah, we can we can change them," um, you know, and and so again, that's a little bit more technical. That's a little bit more in the weeds, and I think a lot of this stuff has to get passed and approved before we have a discussion of, oh, well, is the quarterfinal going to be the Chick-fil-A Bowl or is it just going to be the quarterfinal game? Like, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, But I think it would still give the Bowls significance. It would still give them meaning, and it would still give them a spot in the lore and the tradition and the pageantry of the postseason of college football. And, um, you know, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, those are are college football days, man. That's, That's when you have the Rose Bowl... And, um, you know, it's a huge tradition in college football. So I want to see that come back. I want to see, you know, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day football games being a big deal in the landscape of, of college football. This might push back the dates of the, like, semifinals and the, and the college football national championship, obviously, just because you're playing more games. But, again, the scheduling semantics of all this are yet to be determined. So a lot of this stuff is TBD. And, um, you know, it's, it's still sort of all up in the air. And again, all of this is subject to change now that the Big 12 has lost Oklahoma and Texas that are now in the SEC. So I, I, I really don't think we're going to see a larger uh, college football playoff bracket, more than 12. That just seems, God, that seems like way too much of, it's, it's too much too soon. I think the expansion to 12 could work. Uh, it's going to need some tweaking, possibly, but you need you need to you need to figure out if the twelve thing works before you just leap and make it because they're never going to make it smaller. They're never, never going to make it smaller. It's going to make it bigger. So if you go from four to twelve, what's your next option? You're going to go sixteen. You're going to go twenty. I mean, at that point, you're like you've got to cut down on the number of conference games. You have to. You know, I mean, there's just no way that you can expect these college kids to play. 18 to 20 games. That's a that's an NFL season. I mean, already 17 games. That's more than uh, than the NFL plays in their regular season, right? They play 16 games, um, and they've got or do they add another regular season? I, I don't pay attention to the NFL anymore, but I feel like they added a a regular season game and made seven. I know they've got more teams in the playoff now. There's 14 playoff teams in the NFL, but uh, either way, right? That's that's professional football. And this is this is college football. So trying to keep some small line between the two now that you know the name, image, likeness stuff in, in college athletics has been pushed through. That that kind of all the amateurism just went out the window. But that's a topic for another day. And we are out of time on this edition of After Further Review. Really appreciated you listening and tuning in. I enjoyed bringing it to you. Look out for more episodes soon. Going to try and keep these uh, pretty consistent throughout the fall. Do as many as I can. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, it's just crazy, man. There's so much to talk about. So much news that comes out every day, college football related. And we will be breaking down 
some of the big games from the opening weeks of college football coming up on the next few episodes. Promise I will get to them. I want to talk about them. They're exciting matchups. Uh, just there's so much else to talk about. There's so much else going on. So we'll get to it uh, here pretty soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'm Jay Smith, and this has been After Further Review.